Big wedding, small wedding, or no wedding and just elope? Good day, everyone, and welcome back to Easy with a Friend, the podcast where friends talk about all of life's big events. I am Chi. And this is Elaine. And today, we wanted to chat about weddings, love them, hate them, and regrets, favorite moments, etc. And we wanted to talk about this topic because we know a lot of people have had to really work hard to adjust their wedding plans this year due to COVID. I've had a couple of friends who either just got married by themselves, no guests, or decided to push their wedding back a year. We want to hear from you guys if you've had to be creative about your wedding plans this year. So drop us a comment on our Insta or Facebook. So really to hop right into it, uh, a little bit of background, you know, Nick and I just got married this last year. So, I mean, it's pretty fresh in my memory, but she and Tony are celebrating eight years this year. So she's going to have to think back a bit. A little bit of a hindsight wisdom I can offer on this end. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, there's hindsight wisdom immediately. You're like, why did I do that? <laughs> well, and just to make this a little bit, uh, give a little bit more background, I guess, Elaine is a bit of an expert in this topic because she, in her previous life, <laughs> uh, was a wedding planner. That's what she did for a living for quite a while, actually. So I think she would have a lot of good advice to give for all you brides or soon-to-be brides out there. Yeah, I did event planning for 10 years. And part of those 10 years, I spent two years where I owned my own flower shop. And before that, I worked at a, a bridal boutique selling wedding dresses for a couple of years. So that is uh, a, a lot of time spent in, around events, brides, different perspectives and things like that. So definitely have some, <laughs> have some tips to share. So I jump right into it. I, I, for those of you who don't know, Chi is a really good budgeter. I have to say that as many years as I've been working in events, when she was doing her wedding, I was really impressed with how well she stuck her budget. She obviously, I'm assuming you set a budget when you started out for your wedding. Well, you know, I got married, like you said, eight years ago, and Mm -hmm. we paid, uh, my husband and I uh, pay for everything out of pocket. We did not receive help from our parents. Now, we had our guests, being that I am Asian, a lot of our guests, especially on my side, Mm-hmm. Uh, gave money as wedding gifts. Gotcha. And so I want to just be clear that we did receive some money as wedding gifts, but it was in no way going to even partially cover <laughs> the cost <laughs> of our wedding. Right. So I, I did set a budget. I did not want to go over what I thought was kind of an, an average cost of the wedding. I had about slightly under 120 guests and we set a budget of $30,000 for our wedding. Okay. And that included everything relating to the wedding. I went to a bridal show extravaganza. If I did wedding pictures, photographers, if I did trial hairdos and trial makeup runs, it included everything relating to the wedding. Was The okay. total cost was 30K for us. Okay, question. You mean 30 after you subtracted uh, cash gifts or you just set your budget for 30, not knowing, of course, how much in gifts? I set my budget for 30. That's how okay. much I spent. I did not subtract out the cash gifts at all. Okay. I think in the end, we probably got about, and it's been a year, so forgive me, <laughs> I want to throw out a number here, but I think we got about a total of maybe five, 5,000 total cash gifts. 
Okay. And so I guess if you want us to subtract that out, because we literally went right up. I mean, I think I was like maybe a, a couple of hundred dollars below hitting 30K exactly. So did you end up hitting your budget? I went right up to my budget. We spent about 29K something, almost like about $200 <laughs> below 30K. And, you know, it's interesting because in hindsight, that sounds like a lot of money, right? To spend. Yeah. Not that I regret it because I understand. I guess that was an average, you know, if you were just going to have an average kind of wedding, that was the cost. So I don't, I don't necessarily feel bad about it. But eight years later, in hindsight, I was like, wow, that was a lot of money, you know, because I had just graduated. I didn't really have a good job yet. And um, that's a lot of money for two people to spend on a wedding. Yeah. What about you? I know you guys only got uh, married a year ago and... I was actually going to comment that I think it's really funny because the national average for wedding budgets has hovered around the 30,000 mark for like a decade, which is really fascinating when you count the price of inflation and things costing more. So realistically, I feel that 2020 brides are doing more with less, really, if you factor in that everything is really costing them a little bit more. Although I will say that what I also think about that is that, well, I guess this goes into the budgeting a little bit, but venues. And again, I was a planner for 10 years. I've literally been to every single venue here in Houston, big, small, and wedding venue fees have also not changed much in the last 10 years. So again, what this tells you, I feel like is, there's wiggle room in that cost. You can negotiate a little more for the same fee because if you consider that in the last decade, that really hasn't changed very much. I mean, that's food for thought, right? But so we set, I set an ambitious budget of $20,000. <laughs> Again, I'm an event planner. I've figured with a lot of the discounts I could count on from my vendors and just the kind of ins and outs that I knew, cost savings and stuff like that, that I could pull it off for 20K. I did do it the same way you did, where I tried to count basically everything. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of crafting, which I didn't want to, but so there were a few specialty items that I just couldn't find anywhere and I was forced to make. So I'm, I'm honestly, I have to tell you guys who are out there listening that I personally am not a big fan of brides crafting things. When you're planning a wedding, it's extremely stressful. And when I was a wedding planner, that was my number one piece of advice to my brides. Think about the opportunity cost realistically, right? You don't want to be that bride. Like if you think you're one of those people who's always on top of it and you're not going to procrastinate, you're going to get things done way ahead of time, fine, mm -hmm. great. And it's really going to save you a bundle, right? But if you're one of those people who aren't really good at that, you're going to be down to the wire the last minute, the night before the wedding, up till 4 a.m. crafting, then just don't do it. Because ultimately what you're really saving is really not as much as you think. You, your time would be better spent trying to find vendors who will charge you less for that product. Because believe me, there's always someone out there making it for cheaper. Sorry, I'm way off topic. But yeah, we set the budget for 20 I was very ambitious. I did go over. We ended close. I was like 24, like nine or something like that. 
And I can agree with what you just said in terms of time, and you know how much time do you want to commit? Because you do want to enjoy the whole process. You don't want to be stressed and worried, and then getting resentful at your significant other for not doing his fair share or whatever. You know what I mean? So for me, that was definitely a factor too, because, like I just mentioned earlier, I had just you know graduated and had barely started my new job, and. Right. Was actually wedding planning before I had my new job, and so my husband was working though at the time already, so that helped. But he was also in the early stages of his career in terms of the amount of income he was bringing in. So I was working pretty much. I was getting married on Saturday, and I think I worked the Friday before my wedding. Mm-hmm. I had my father-in-law took like a week. Off before the wedding to prepare himself. You know? uh, I mean, like I had guests and family who were who had more time off than I did before the wedding. So I literally worked uh, until the Friday before my wedding, which was on Saturday. So I knew I did not have time to craft a lot of things. And so we went with a venue that was more like all inclusive, if you will. It's not a resort; it's a hotel, a right. hotel in in uh, closer to the Galleria area uh, of Houston. And um, they had more like the typical wedding packet you can pick. And so we control cost with our guest list. I don't know. I honestly don't know how many people were included on your guest list. And I said mine originally, we set it at 120. But Mm -hmm. we ended up probably right around 110. And we really tried to control the guest list because that was how we were able to keep the cost down. We didn't really make anything on our own. Yeah, doing it yourself is fun if you have, let's say, a crew of people that could come over and help. So it can be fun. And I remember when one of our other friends got married, we helped with the invitation and we kind of just made a night of it and we ordered a takeout and it was it was just time to spend with each other. So that could be fun too. But if you are trying to mass produce something kind of all by yourself, that could be very stressful. Yep. And I want to emphasize, like I said, it's not something I'm super into. So when I say I crafted stuff, I made like the little geometric things I wanted for the boutonnieres. You know, I made the donut wall, but I didn't personally have to actually craft the donut wall. I designed it. I found an acrylic company here in town where they cut the pieces out and Nick actually drilled the base together and, and spray painted it and all that stuff. Again, think about what you're losing in terms of time and cost. I could purchase the donut wall online for about $100, I think. That was including shipping and everything, getting mm-hmm. it And when I say donut wall, I don't mean a really big one. I was doing like a little two and a half foot. It was for the dessert table. And making it myself cost me, I think about 20 bucks in materials. So that's $80 in savings. And I didn't really do anything to it. Like I sent the plans off to an acrylic place. They manufactured it. Nick spent 10 minutes drilling the base together and spray painting it. So that's what I mean by opportunity cost. Think about like if you're making a pretty significant savings for a small amount of time versus I think a lot of people craft things like, like, so what you were saying, invitations is a good one. And I remember which wedding you're referring to. It was one of our friends, but we had like a lot of hands Mm -hmm. and the parts were already made, but you saved by putting them together yourself, right? So Mm -hmm. again, it was one of those things. We had the hands, we just had a little party where we put them together and that wasn't super, super stressful. And I, I think about it sometime too, right? Because after she got done feeding us, <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Yeah. How much did you make in the end? So, you know, you invite your friends over to help you with this thing and then come dinner time and you got to feed everybody. And so I would have calculated that cost. So do think about stuff like that. Unintended cost, right? Even if you are going to have a little party to put together your invitation and stuff. But you actually did something that I thought was quite clever for your invitation. You want to tell us about it? What you did instead? For a second, I was like, I don't remember. What did I do? <laughs> um, <laughs> it was very bold. Put it that way. Very um, bold and brave. So, okay. I do remember. So, <laughs> well, I did that for the invitation not to save money, which it did save money, but that was kind of the inconsequential point. I'm a big recycler. The number one thing that I do a lot of reduce, reuse, recycle, right? So I did not want to send out physical invitations and my husband and I talked about it. We did end, end up sending some physical invites for like the older family members who probably wouldn't understand the whole, hey, click on this link so you can go here to RSVP for the wedding. But for everybody else, for millennials, what I did was an electronic invitation. And I didn't do one where it was, I just sent out an email. There are electronic invitation websites now available. And the main thing of that I was doing there is it actually did save me a ton on invitation costs. Honestly, you know, let's just say your standard invitation ranges anywhere from probably a buck 50 on the cheap end all the way up to like, I mean, invitations can get really ridiculously expensive, sometimes seven to $10 per invite, depending on what you're doing to it. And then plus postage and all that. Right. And if your invite is heavy, you'll need more postage, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, if it's a if it's a square versus a rectangular shape, it's also cost you more money to ship. I had no idea, and we made mine a square, and so I had to pay for extra postage. I had no idea. No, so, you know, um, I think the interesting thing is relating back to people who are trying to plan their wedding during this pandemic is that your guest list is kind of forced to be small, and so yeah. that is one blessing. You know, is that you can really have a good excuse, if you will, to keep the guest list small. And I know my parents had a tough time with that. We, of course, wanted to invite our good friends, my husband's good friend and my good friend. But then there's always those guests that are more like that you don't personally know, but are more like your parents' guests. And so we, of course, had to make room for some of those guests. But we really, my mom, of course, wanted a 500 guest wedding, that type of deal. And I was just like, mm-hmm. no, 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 mama, I can't afford that. But yes, yeah, so I think in a way with this pandemic, you are forced to make it an intimate wedding with just guests that you know, and would be excited to celebrate with you would be willing to go through, I guess, all the extra quarantine and testing if needed to attend a wedding if you are going to have one in person. So I think from day one, I did not really want a big wedding. And I guess saying that if you have 110 guests, that does sound like a big wedding now and in hindsight. But I think if I would have had it my way and just done my guests, it probably would have been around like maybe 50 people. That would have been pretty small and intimate. And that's what I really wanted. I don't remember how many people you had at your wedding. What was your final count for your guest list? So invitations went out to 175 people. My husband almost died. <laughs> <laughs> Again, exactly the same struggles, I feel. We really wanted to have a small wedding. And I think there's also a disparity in what your culture thinks is big and what my culture thinks is big. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. he's Caucasian. For him, 100 people wedding, 120, that was, that was big. It was a huge wedding. I mean, for 
Asians, a thousand people is a, a average, you know, medium <laughs> size yeah, average, average size. <laughs> so I also, same thing. I had to temper kind of who my mom thought she was going to invite. And of course, some invitations in Asian families, they have to go out to like members of the family just out of respect. Not that I didn't want family members there. I did. I was fine with inviting, you know, friends, family members, but some of the extraneous, like my mom wanted to invite a bunch of her church friends. And I, I'm like, Hey, I understand that you're friends with your church friends, but I don't know half of them. So are we inviting the whole church? I mean, what are we talking about here? <laughs> so there's also a little bit of that trying to adjust what your parents expect, but I invited 175. Now the thing about invitations is you should expect about 15 to 20%, sometimes up to 30%, depending on how your invitations go, of no's. People who mm -hmm. are not going to be able to attend because of the date, because of the money, because of whatever. And that's totally fine. Don't be offended when they tell you no, because it doesn't mean they're not happy for you. It just means that there might be something going on in their lives where they can't come that day. And that's, I'm fine with that. So we ended up with a hundred and 140 something yeses. Mm -hmm. But I will also tell my brides out there that the day of you will have some people fall off the guest list. Oh, wow. Yes. Almost every single wedding I've ever managed the day of some people are not going to show up. You know, that is true. Even for my wedding now that I think about it, I think there were like, I would have to say about maybe two or three couples didn't show. <laughs> But that happens with every single wedding because the day of or the day before, let's say you have some out of town guests who are supposed to be coming in with that many people flying in for your wedding, someone's going to have an incidental, their flight got canceled. They just couldn't get rebooked. They were super delayed, something along those lines where they actually just can't make it that day. So that's actually why I personally favor not having a seating chart. If my brides are open to it, that's always my recommendation. I mean, especially these days, it actually makes your party a lot more dynamic. And if that's been your dream since you were a little girl, having just round tables of people perfectly seated at their seats, have at it. But if you're a bride who's open to being a little bit more non-traditional and you just want the party to be a little more fun, a little more dynamic, then having not assigned seating so we did a mix of little tables, tall tables. We did a few rounds, but I didn't want anything over like eight seaters, I think. So not like big round tables of 10 or 12 guests so that we could encourage people to kind of be up and moving around. I completely agree. I think that in the end, it was a very clever thing. You know, I, I have to admit, I was worried <laughs> when you told me your plan. <laughs> I was worried, you know, because I think all the other weddings I've been to have always had the traditional assigned seats and things like that. And I did assign seats for my wedding because my parents, it was very important to them where I seated their guests. We did it and it worked out okay. And we did have one table where I think half the table didn't show. <laughs> so, you know, there was only four people at that table instead of the 10 that we had planned on. So we've thrown out several good tips for saving money on the wedding. And so what do you think was the best thing that you spent money on? Oh, the food. <laughs> you know what? I was going to say the same for me, that I think for me, the thing that I felt was money well spent was the food. And, and I think my husband and I, by the time we got married, we had been to several weddings and had 
the variety of experience. And we really, when we went to these weddings, uh, knowing that we were planning our own, try to remember or try to take in what was good about it and what would we rather would have happened differently. Um, my wedding wasn't buffet style. We had plated food for each one of our guests. But I really made sure that the servings they were giving were <laughs> more than enough. And so, yeah, for me, I think food was the thing that we spent a lot of money on, but I, I thought it was really worth it, you know? So we've had a lot of guests retroactively over this last year tell us how much they enjoyed the food at our wedding. So like I mentioned, I'm a big foodie. Food was a big focus for me. All I wanted for my wedding, you know, not none of the traditional stuff. I wanted to have a party. Like I wanted people to have fun. So everything we did, we had a lot of games. We had photo booths. We had activities. All of it was geared towards people enjoying themselves, right? But one of the biggest things was I booked that venue because they did not have a list of preferred vendors that you had mm -hmm. to go through. So I just had a really vast variety, I guess, of food at my wedding. So that was definitely it. And I have to say probably my photographer. I mean, uh, again, so that's one thing I do want to emphasize to all of my brides. I mean, yes, I love the food at my wedding. Yes, right now I can remember it. But I'm like, what do you have that you can look back on is those photos. So, I mean, what do we as brides spend so much time focusing on? We want our guests to have a good time. We want to have the wedding that we want to have. But also, you wanted to look good for your wedding day, right? You wanted to capture those moments that made the you- The memories, you know? yeah. Exactly. The memories, the getting married, the first moment he saw you walk down the aisle and a great photographer will do all that for you and you'll have that to look back on in 30, 40 years versus I've had brides who tried to hire some student photographer and all the pictures were blurry. Oh yeah, that, that happened to a uh, close friend of ours. My husband was actually a groomsman at her wedding. And after the wedding, she had sent me a message saying, hey, if you got any pictures from my wedding, can you share it with me? Because she had used a student photographer mm -hmm. and she said that none of the pictures turned out. So it was really heartbreaking for her. But I completely agree with you because for me, you kind of look at the wedding from two different perspectives, right? One is from your guests. You want your friends and loved ones and family to have a good time. But for you personally, from your point of view, wedding pictures, definitely. But yeah, to have those memories, and it kind of relates to the only regret I would say I have for my wedding was that I did not spend money on a, someone to be the videographer. Mm, mm -hmm. And I only had a photographer. I guess I didn't think it was important. And a lot of our friends did not have that either. But I'm really even immediately after the wedding, I felt a bit of regret. Now having kids and, you know, when we talk to them about the wedding, it would have been nice to be able to show them a video. Yeah. So I think that's really the only regret I have. Do you have any regrets? Well, to touch on what you said about the videographer. So I specifically did not want a videographer at our wedding. Mostly because, again, I've worked events where you have the photographer and the videographer. And then these days, a lot of your friends are over there too with their phones and their cameras and trying to snap pictures. And everyone's just kind of in everybody else's way. Mm -hmm. Although I will say that I knew I would want a video of, say, our vow, maybe speeches, mm -hmm. things like that. So that's actually where I was just going to have my brother bring my DSLR camera <laughs> and set it up on a tripod and press record. <laughs> but... Audrey's dad actually ended up taking that on for us. So I do really appreciate that. He sent us the videos afterwards. 
And that's all I really wanted was to kind of remember the words that were said. So that's what one way to kind of get around that if y'all are kind of just a little money saving tip. If having a full on production video is not all that important to you and you're like, I don't care about the video quality as much as I want to capture like the words or the feelings or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to do that. I think that's a great idea. I think I would have been satisfied if there were some video of some of the moments. Going back to your biggest regret, did you come up with one? I honestly, my biggest regret for me, and again, so this is that thing where some things you just shouldn't cheap out on. And this is my own fault. So I'm Chinese. I had done that traditional dress, which this is just a personal regret. I don't think anyone at the wedding noticed. As a matter of fact, you commented on how much you liked that dress. That dress was a nightmare. First of all, it did not look at all what I was originally going for. I had wanted to do this custom modern mix, high-end traditional dress. So the top would be traditional. And then the skirt, I had this whole design. And then I found this online traditional dressmaker that they swore to me they could do it. No problem. We can do it. Yeah, it'll be beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And they were based out of California. And I wrongly assumed, and I should have asked, if they were having the dress made in California, like on site. So anyway, the dress... I don't feel turned out like what I was looking for. And to top it all off, they were so late delivering it. it, And even though I had given the measurements, it didn't fit. So I still had to take it and go spend another $200 on the alterations. So say lovey. It didn't bother me all that much. Apparently everyone else still liked the dress. So it's really just a me. (laughs) Yeah. And I think another advice I would have for the bride is that the wedding dress It's very important for you and the pictures and how you feel in it is important. But for your guests, most of us, barring that you're doing something very dramatic and different, you think people notice things Mm -hmm. and would care about things a lot more uh, than, than they actually would. People are a lot more forgiving with those little details, you know, so don't stress so much over it. Any other advice you want to give for brides specifically this year? So I do want to touch on one last tip for saving money, which I think is um, a big one. So you can save a lot. We did open bar for all of our, for our guests and we did premium open bar. So open bar for basically 140 guests, essentially who actually came mixers and everything. We spent a total all in of about only $1,500. Oh, wow. So, I mean, and most open bars is going to cost you about four or five grand for a number of guests. So what we did was I had my catering company provide to bartenders and the actual bars. And I had a, there's a alcohol vendor here in town where they'll drop off all the alcohol for you to the venue. And then they'll come back and pick up what is not used. And then you only get charged for the bottles that are opened and used. Oh, wow. And you pay just street price, you know, you pay like Mm -hmm. whatever the normal price is. Versus being upcharged by your bartending company or whoever it is. So that was probably our biggest cost savings. So I definitely wanted to put that in there. But advice for brides this year, I think the number one thing is really to, I mean, and you're kind of forced to, right, be a little more relaxed about everything. And that, of course, that's kind of the circumstance of the year and it's easier said than done. But trust me when I say, when you look back on it, you are a lot like, what was I stressing about? It doesn't matter. It's one day ultimately. And that's probably really important for this year because there are going to be a lot of things outside of your control. And 
you know, it's unfortunately not going to look the way that you've been dreaming that it was going to look like for X, Y, Z number of years. But I think the most important thing is that that's the day you get to marry like the love of your life. The things that I remember about that night are having fun with Nick on the dance floor, you know, having fun with all of my friends. And that's ultimately what's going to be important. And you can still do that no matter what the wedding looks like. I think I can agree 100%. That was what I was going to say too, was that we really focused, Tony and I, for my wedding, I really went into it with just this attitude that it didn't matter what happened that day. I was just going to have fun. And I wanted my guests to have fun and I wanted to have fun. But really, I, I really focused on that day being about Tony and I, my husband and I. And so I think that's definitely the mentality, like you said, for this year is to whether or not you're having... 50 guests at your wedding or, or 20 or 10 guests at your wedding, or if you're just doing it with just you and your, your fiance, embrace it, you know, embrace it and get as much enjoyment out of it as you can. Enjoy that day, feel special, do, do what you want. And there's still time. Marriage is a long time and there's still time next year, later on down the line, if you want to have another reception, you could always do that. And that wouldn't be unheard of even before the pandemic. Absolutely. Thanks for listening in today, everybody. That's it for this episode of Easier with a Friend. Just a little reminder, if you've enjoyed tuning in, take a couple minutes to reach out to a friend today. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any new episodes. Follow us on Instagram at Easier with a Friend, on our Facebook page, Easier with a Friend, or email us at easierwithafriend at gmail.com.